Hello, I'm Lynn Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. This program features Evie Lang, Chief Executive Officer of AS Motor, a German-based company that manufactures slope mowers, remote-controlled slope mowers, and high-grass mowers. We met up with Ebby at the 2017 GIE Expo and began a discussion about how the rural lifestyle market in Europe compares with North America and what North American dealers can learn from European dealers. We continued the discussion in this podcast, digging deeper into the topics of technology and more. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to our series, which is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. You will then receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less, and you can have more. For example, Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components, the Yanmar engine, transmission, and axles all in-house. Because they're made to work perfectly together, you and your customers get a hardworking machine with more usable horsepower, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Yanmar's tractors are designed to work as hard as you do for a lifetime. Strengthen your dealership today with Yanmar. Email them at agmarketing at yanmar.com or call them at 770-877-9894. Robotic mowers are one example of how certain technologies have already gained a foothold in Europe are just being established in North America. Ebby Lang, CEO of AS Motor, comments on what he sees might be coming for the U.S. market. Well, thank you for talking with us today, Ebby. And I wanted to follow up on the conversation we had when we met at uh, GIE Expo, and we were talking about what you see at the U.S. trade show and how it compares with what you're seeing from your a viewpoint as a European country. And so can you comment about that, uh, the differences, similarities between some of the products that you're seeing at GIE and at home? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Lynn, for, for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you at the GIE. As you'd mentioned, um, we, we, we go there almost every year to introduce our products to the U.S. market and to speak with our dealers and distributors, but also to see what's going on in the, in the American landscape and what companies are offering and what news are coming out. One of the big differences to start is that GIE is a very, very focused um, trade show. So you almost only see mowing machines and most of the European trade shows, they will really have anything for over from construction equipment, mowing equipment, um, a lot of agricultural products. So all the big uh, producers will be there with, with big tractors. Um, so the GIE I really like because it's a very focused trade show to our you know, sub-segment of mowing machines. And um, one of the big differences um, within that segment, though, that I see at the GIE was that there were very few robotic machines, very few electric-powered machines, um, and also remote-controlled machines, which is obviously a bit of a niche, um, is just coming. It's just coming up, and, and every year you see you see a few more products. But those are the the three big things that I would say were very different. Um, between the European shows and the American shows over the past two, three years that I've attended both. And then also then in terms of uh, similarities and and differences with working with dealers, because you have a a dealer network um, in Europe, is that right? 
Yes, yes, we've been in the European market in, in, in a lot of the big countries for almost 60 years. So it's obviously a very, very established network. There's a lot of similarities, you know, if, if you meet a normal OPE dealer in Germany or in France or in the UK or in the US, they will be typically quite similar. You know, a lot of them are still the family held or even smaller mom and pop stores that take, you know, very good care of their local customers and, and, and their community. And then in both markets, you have the bigger groups, the very professional ones, you know, sometimes they're chains, sometimes they've just become kind of like the next level, bigger business that will employ, you know, way more people than just who's there in the family and maybe one or two mechanic. So you see that split between super professional dealerships and kind of the traditional smaller OPE dealer that will just sell a range of things. And that's, that's taken place in both markets, I think. So there's, there's definitely a similarity. And the differences that I've noticed is that, that in the U.S., and I think it's due to its huge geography, but also kind of the demands of certain professional customers, you have these distributors like a Wesco or a Smithdurf that will be another intermediary between the manufacturer and the dealer or the end user. And in the bigger European markets, talking about France, talking about Germany, talking about the UK, you really don't have that at all. So the manufacturer will always sell with his own sales force to the dealer directly. Um, that's something that's definitely been a, a difference that we've, um, that we've learned and that, we are, that we're working with. It actually, I think it suits a distributor or a, a manufacturer of professional products very well. And it's an attractive channel for us just because we ensure very high level of customer service um, across a certain region without having to train or interact with every single smaller dealer or even the end user, which we just couldn't do as a new market engine. Now, the differences that you, uh, or I'm sorry, the similarities where you had indicated that there's the smaller OPE dealer and then the much, much larger dealer, do you see that in Europe? staying or do you see some changes with the smaller OPE dealers um, being acquired or just um, just closing? It's an interesting question and it's some, something people have talked about in the industry for a really long time. I mean, 10 years ago, most people said, you know, all the small dealers will go away and um, they'll only survive a few very professional independent dealers and then the rest will go to big box retail. And that's not something that we've really seen. We've really seen everyone survive. Um, sure, a few of them, um, a few of them have closed or sold, but not really that you could say it's a huge trend. And it's actually interesting. We had a big dealer conference here in Germany uh, just about uh, two years ago, and we had dealers from all over Europe. And we had a questionnaire with them, asking them what they see as the biggest challenge arising for their dealership in the next couple of years. And we all assumed it would be the changes in the, in the generational change, so, so, so really finding someone to continue the business in the next generation. But no, no one indicated that to be a problem. Their biggest challenge will be to find skillful workers to hire for the dealerships. That's actually something that they saw as one of the biggest challenges, but not to continue the business. So I would say um, that the small dealers will still be here for, for a long time. Um, and just a big wave of innovative and new products and technology has really helped them to stay relevant as well. I mean, if you just look at the robotic mowers, for instance, it's something that every, every single OPE dealer in, in Europe and Germany sells successfully. And there's been a huge shift from people owning a walk behind lawnmower that they may have owned for 10 or 20 years, but they're all slowly but surely buying robotic lawnmowers. So 
you know, this is replacing a product that they may have sold them you know, walk behind lawnmower for 500 euros or more maybe. Now they're paying 2,000 euros, 3,000 euros for robotic lawnmower plus all the, the servicing that takes place every year plus the installation that's taking place in the customer's garden. So this is a perfect business for a small OPE dealer. And um, I think it's another reason why they've been surviving, why they've been doing well, and why they're happy to be in business, I guess. Well, and that's interesting that you had found that from your survey, because we find that as well. We do an annual uh, business trend survey, and we just completed another one. We'll release the information in January. But we do find that as well for the top concern is finding workers. So if you find anything that works over in Europe, let us know. We can share it with our U.S. dealers. Um, and one thing that was interesting, too, that you said was the idea of the shift from walk-behinds to robotic mowers. And I know in, in North America, our rural lifestyle customers, they really enjoy that experience of mowing. Is that different attitude with the uh, customers in Europe in terms of they just don't really um, have the desire to sit on a mower? That's why they're, they're trending toward robotics? Or is it more the interest in technology, do you think? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think it's a few things. So I'll speak mostly for Germany, but if I speak for Germany, it's really all the, the Central European countries can be grouped into that probably from a, from a lifestyle perspective. So, you know, in, the, in this market, I think there's a bit of a generational change. So people my parents' age, you know, they would have been the ones that, 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 that feel very proud and very happy having done, you know, a, a Saturday's worth of work of mowing and doing things like this. The new generation, you know, talking of like 45 and younger, let's say, you know, they rather, I think, spend their time doing something else. So they have replaced their walk behind with a robotic lawnmower. So that's number one. I think also number two in the U.S., you have a lot of contractors and people actually doing mowing as a service. I mean, I always see when I'm in the U.S., you see a lot of contractors driving around with mowers in the back of the pickup. They go from property to property and mow. Um, and you have pretty cheap labor, also access to cheap labor to do that, um, that doesn't exist in a lot of um, countries in Europe. So there, you know, people would actually have to do it themselves or they buy a robotic lawnmower. That's the better option for, for the modern or the younger generation. Um, also, the properties in Germany and Europe tend to be a bit smaller, especially the areas that you, uh, that you kind of manicure the lawn. You know, you really have a nice cut. You cut weekly. Um, if they have bigger properties or bigger areas, they would not only tend to that bigger field on such a regular basis. And these are actually the type of products we make. We make 80% of the products we make are rough terrain mowers, as we call them. And you can cut grass up to five feet in height. So even if you only mow the lawn or that field, you know, three times a year, every time you get still a nice, pretty nice finish, you know, for, for, for cutting grass that high, um, it'll be sufficient. And that's, that's where we sell our products to private home owners, they just don't want to cut the grasses as, as often, don't maintain it as turf, they just have it more as a field. But there, I think there are a few differences just in terms of how um, you know, people either choose to spend their Saturday afternoon, I'd say, or you know, how their property is designed or, or, or other practices or other things like the contractors I mentioned. Yeah, interesting. We'll see what happens in the U.S. as well in terms of the, the generations and home ownership and I wanted to ask about, uh, going back to the dealerships, what you see in terms of good business practices that you see working with your uh, European dealers, and is there anything that you think that uh, North American dealers can benefit from in terms of those practices? 
I mean, I think again, the robotic robotic mowers are a good example. And and just for disclosure, we actually don't make any robotic mowers, so it's not the trend that we've really uh, banged on, or it wouldn't fit our you know business or what our brand stands for. As I said, we make products for rough terrain use, so not for the you know typical homeowner that has a small kind of um, turf around his house. But I think this is a good example because this is a brand new technology was driven by the manufacturers, but a lot of dealers have adopted over time a very successful successful business model that surrounds this robotic lawnmower. So for instance, you know, in the past, the customer would come into the store, you'd sell him a lawnmower, he'd leave maybe a couple of years later, he has a problem with it or he needs a new blade or something, he comes back. But, you know, the revenue is limited to that. Now you have someone that comes in that says, oh, I have a lawn, but I may have a little bit of a incline on it or I have a few trees on my lawn. Do you think, you know, that I could use a robotic lawnmower? So the first step is the dealer goes with the customer back to the customer's house, looks at his property, consults on the property, says, I think you should get this, that type of mower. Then after the, the customer buys, he installs the wiring and all the other things and makes sure the mower works properly on the property. So now he's already a second time at the home's guy's home. And then you know, winter comes and oftentimes dealer sells at the outset a service plan for many years to come where he would go pick up the mower at the end of the mowing season, take the mower with him, store it at the dealership for the winter, do all the servicing that's necessary, and bring the mower back out um, in the spring. So he has a recurring revenue stream from the service plan. He has the opportunity to go regularly to the, to the customer's house, hopefully sell him you know, a new hose, a new wheelbarrow, a new whatever else the guy needs, uh, around his house, maybe some irrigation technology. So that's, that's that, you know, that revenue opportunity that he would have had with that one customer has now gone up fivefold easily uh, through this new technology employed in a smart way. I thought that was, this was fascinating when I learned this from dealers as I was visiting them across Europe. And I'm sure it's a business model that can be adopted by American dealers that focus on this type of uh, more to be sold. Right. And exactly in terms of just the reason to go back to their properties. Um, often you just don't have a reason to go back unless it looks like you're selling something. So that's a, that's a really critical point for that relationship. Absolutely. You become a partner. I mean, when people let you in their house, you know, you have a whole different relationship with them other than, you know, when they come visit you in your store. So I always thought that was pretty special and interesting. Yeah, definitely. So far on this podcast, Ebby Lang of AS Motor has talked about the influence of technology across the European rural lifestyle market, including robotic mowers, battery-powered commercial equipment, and remote control options. Smaller dealers can use these technologies to stay competitive with larger dealers, boosting service revenues, and building a reputation as a consultant. We'll rejoin the discussion, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for making this program possible. Using ever-advancing technology, Yanmar continuously strives to exceed customer expectations and deliver exceptional lifetime value by integrating its products, services, and knowledge into a superior quality, comprehensive solution. Visit them at yanmartractor.com backslash new dealer inquiry. Let's get back to the podcast to listen in on the discussion on the explosive growth of battery-powered products in Europe and what needs to happen next in terms of advancements and data collection software. 
And then just in terms of the new technologies, I mean, we've talked a lot about robotics and you had started to talk as well about remote control. Is is there anything that you can share in terms of some of the new technologies that you're seeing in, in Europe that you have started to see in the U.S. or you think you might be, we might be seeing across North America as you come back to GIE in the coming years? Well, I think it will be, it'll be robotic mowers, you know, It'll be electric products, you know, even in the professional segment, uh, when you look at handheld products, it's all going electric in Europe. It's unbelievable. The manufacturers that are producing this kind of uh, stuff are having um, record growth rates. I just looked into some numbers from the industry association here in Germany that just released the latest numbers. And for instance, just so you get an idea, electric hedge trimmers are up 117% year over year. Electric weed whackers are up 74% and chainsaws are up 97%. These are electric. So all the, all the gas versions of these are down quite significantly year over year. But on the electric side, it's, it's, it's really exploding. A big manufacturer here, Steel, that you must know, and that's very active in the U.S. as well. They've had three-digit growth in their electric segment this year that they've announced. So it's, it's, it's really exploding and I don't see that stopping because the numbers are, you know, the absolute numbers are still, you know, obviously not where the gas-powered numbers are. So this is something that's been trending in the consumer segment for, for quite a while. And I know also in the U.S. and big box retail shops have done really well. But in the professional segment, it's, it's up and coming and the growth is, is, is strong. Um, other things that we see is not just electric-powered tools, but also um, electric um, parts and, and components, so things like transaxles and drives. We saw some stuff from SmartTech at the um, GI Expo that was pretty interesting. But I think that from a supplier standpoint, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, new things coming. We see Briggs investing in battery power technology. We see Hydrogear making a move there. So I think that there'll be a lot more suppliers, and there need to be a lot more suppliers to make this feasible for, for all the manufacturers out there and for all the different products that could, could benefit from that technology. Um, another thing that we see um, is that, you know, the recording of data on a product, um, also Briggs introduced a, a product for that, but, you know, we monitor the space pretty closely and there's at least 10, 15, 20 different systems out there. Every manufacturer is taking a slightly different approach. We see Husqvarna, for instance, who goes on this fleet services uh, tool where they kind of try to do their own proprietary technology that mostly works or works only very well with Husqvarna products. And then we have brand agnostic solutions from others. So I think there'll be a bunch of developments there in the future. And I think no one has really figured out how to you know, really use that data and what the customer or the end user will do with it. That's something we're also hearing from the from the ag industry, we just had uh, the biggest, I think it's the biggest ag trade show in the world, the Agritechnica in, in Hanover, that's just taken place. We spoke with one of the data companies and they said, you know, the last 10 years we've been collecting data and we've created all these great tools so we know what the tractor is doing at any given moment and we're collecting all this data and now we're sitting here and we don't really know what to do with the data. So this will be, the next step will really be to make sense of the data um, and employ that uh, in a way that the end user is seeing a real benefit, you know, and can do his job better than he did before. So, yeah, I think those are the two big things that, that, that we're looking at right now. Yeah, that's very interesting because we're also looking into some of those technologies as well, trying to learn a little bit more about them, too. And, and the idea on the uh, rural lifestyle side is always the idea of 
um, the cost benefit and whether some of these technologies Absolutely. you know mess, make sense on the smaller scale. So that will be interesting in terms of how manufacturers will adapt them. Yep, absolutely. We always joke around at product development meetings, you know, this, this industry has had very, very little change in technology for a long period of time. You had gasoline powered engines, you had mechanics, mechanic transaxles, you know, and, and, and you went up in power, you went up in mowing with, you went up in comfort maybe, went up in safety maybe through some mechanisms, but not really some ground shaking new technology. And, and it seems like it's all crashing down right now in the last five to 10 years with um, all these different things that I've just mentioned. And it makes it a, a very, very exciting time for everyone to be, um, to be in, this, in this business. And we very much enjoy it because you know, we look for these things and, and try to figure out how our end user who wants to do this rough terrain mowing, whether it's on the side of the highway or in a you know, field by his house, uh, can benefit from this ultimately. And, um, and it's, a, it's definitely a really exciting time to be in this, but you have to be smart, I think, of how you integrate it in your product and always keep the customer in mind, how is he actually going to benefit from it? You know, it doesn't make sense that we start selling mowers with laptops in them if no one needs the laptop. You know what I mean? There's no need <laughs> to have that. But if there's a real benefit and there can be, then it's great. You know, we've, we've, we've sold, for instance, a very uh, successful model for a very long time. It's a permanent four-wheel drive ride-on machine, about 36 inches in cutting width. And um, you know, I think based on based on numbers that we see in the industry, we're the market leader for that in Europe and are selling a lot of them every single year for about seven years now. And two years ago, we introduced new technology where we fit the machine with the remote control so you can get away from the machine. You know, your safety level goes up, your comfort level goes up, you can mow areas that you couldn't mow before, yet you still have the ride-on machine if you're mowing in flat areas. So that worked extremely well because we took something and added it to, to really give an additional benefit to the end user and people are buying it. People are paying for that premium, paying the premium to get that additional technology. That's, that's really helping them do their job every day. Well, very good. I think that that's an excellent point to stop unless I can ask one follow on question. If there's anything that you um, didn't share that you still wanted to share. No, I think we, we spoke about a, a lot of different things, and obviously there's a, there's a lot more to come in the next couple of years. So I would just uh, advise everyone to kind of, you know, look look on the web and, and and have a few channels of information that are not just local to them or not just, you know, pertaining to their to their region of the world. Um, I make a point and try to 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 to, to um, subscribe to newsletters from from different countries. Um, I, I read your newsletter regularly and I find it extremely interesting because it puts me a little bit in the, in the mind of a U.S. dealer and the information that he receives. And so, um, so it's helped me um, to get a better and more well-rounded picture of the industry and the global industry. And I think um, if other people do that or if U.S. dealers do that, I think it could really, they could really benefit from it. Thank you again to Evie Lang of AS Motor for his European perspective on the North American rural equipment market. Up until recently, advances in rural equipment have been limited to such things as power, comfort features, and improved efficiencies. Now our market is seeing major changes, such as in battery power, electric transactions, and related technologies, and opportunities are big for dealers. Lang also advises that dealers keep in touch with coming technologies by expanding where they seek out information and watching what's happening in Europe. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Yanmar, 
for helping make this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. And please share your feedback on today's program by emailing me at lwolf at lessetermedia.com. You can also keep up on the latest rural equipment news and trends by registering online for our e-newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and from dealers. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.